Welcome one and all to a bonus episode of the There Will Be Dungeon Show. Yeah, that's right. It's that time of the month. And because of your support, you're getting a bonus show where we answer a bunch of questions and chat with you and for you and around you. Uh, I'm Scott Johnson and the whole crew is here, including Bo Schwartz, who's hanging around after today's episode, which we hope everybody really liked. Uh, Bo, Hello, hi. everyone. Hello. Hi, hi. Welcome to the bonus questions. Be it's been here. too long since we've had you one of these. Of course, John, Kristen, and, and uh, Kyle and myself, Scott, are all here. We're going to dive right in. We'll let Kristen uh, uh, rope us in on what questions we're doing. So, Kristen, take it away. Okay, first two are for you, Scott. Uh, whatever happened to the mouse Splendorbelt was feeding in his room at the temple? He should have named it Spud, just my two cents. And then the follow-up question by someone else, what did Crandall name the little mouse? Um, so the mouse is still there, um, but like mice, he's not like a familiar, you know, who hangs out and sleeps in a drawer next to my bed or anything weird like that. He comes and goes, mostly comes for the food, isn't afraid of me, but is otherwise just sort of a stray creature. Um, I call him Mouse. That's his name, Mouse. Real simple. So it's like, oh, it is Mouse. And I give him a little pinch of a potato and he, he's very happy when we do that. So not a super exciting answer, but, you know, some people probably had <laughs> hoped that he would show up on my shoulder and cast spells of his own one day, but that's not going to happen. He's just a mouse. Just Spud enough. is a good name, though. Spud's a great name. I probably should have done that, but I, in my head, he just Tater went, tot. oh, it's his mouse Tater again. Tot's also really good. Yeah. Or tot, ta- even just Tater would have been good. Uh, next one is aimed at Kyle here. What would the plan have been if a player had wanted to play an elf or elven blood in the campaign with how part of the plot seems to involve those? Oh, it would have been completely different. It, 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 so this this plot was based on... Co, because he was the most established character when we sort of put them together, he wanted to, I mean, granted, I didn't find out till level three about the psychic sort of thing, but there was the sick wife going on, and I knew that she was half-elf, and that Co was looking for, or at least desired to find some sort of cure for her, and then there was this kind of holy party thing going on, but that's all influenced by you guys, so of course you did that very first mission, you're all like, whoa, Underdark, whoa, this is cool. I mean, what's that sound? I, I want to know more about this. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, we'll experiment around a little bit. So we went and did the Crypt of Cord with all the undead and the ghosts and stuff. And to be perfectly honest, nobody used Turn Undead that day. Nobody used any anti-undead powers, mm-hmm. uh, of which we had multiple. Yeah, And that was kind of like, okay, so we're not doing an undead campaign. And that's kind of how campaigns work in my book is is you sort of shotgun for a little bit you go how's this what do you think of this what do you think as someone goes zombies i love zombies you go okay okay you know what do you think of zombies and like i'm more for like plants plant zombies anyone and now you're down that path so it evolved over time if someone had picked an elf the, the elf thing uh, wouldn't have mattered it would have been more about uh, his wife's ailment less so about the hereditary drone as we called it well as a follow-up would if i would have um listening to everybody would have chosen anything except for like orcs or half orcs would you have said oh okay i could do this but i'll just do it with a different race i can have them be this major plot point and i mean would it have been that simple or was there something about elves that jumped out at you and you went well not only did nobody pick one but also this would be a great idea you know what i mean like that inspired you at all it's a little bit of a mix, right? Because here it was the, you had the the elven sickness that was afflicting Ko's wife. And at the same time, you have the Underdark. And while I, I've been very 
careful might be the right word. I think on on like a base level, drow are kind of lame, kind of boring. But I love what um like Hellboy did with evil elves, and even Thor to an extent had kind of the evil pale elves. But like Hellboy's elves were badass, still that kind of drow ancient feel, but they weren't so dristy. To be perfectly honest, is mm. yeah. <laughs> Adristy's not a that's a good way of putting it. Um, so you agree with me that Hellboy Two was a better movie than Hellboy One? Is that what you're saying? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I agree. <laughs> that was a bold leap, but yeah, Two is awesome. I, a lot of people don't feel I this see way. You like elves from Hellboy, therefore you must like Hellboy Two more. Well, than Hellboy, Hellboy Two 1. is so elvish, like Hellboy elvish, and compared to the first one, the first one I didn't really dabble in it, but that second movie, man, people don't realize how cool that movie is. It's good. I wish so they, for your question yeah. about like would I just run with the orcs? Maybe yeah. hey, you know, if 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 Ko's wife was an orc and like there kind of was that through line there, um, but yeah, then orcs evolved in this whole new thing because Splendorbelt showed up and that led to uh, Zoldar the Wizened being of the same sort of tribe. So he was the character he was. It's all right, right, right. It's all inspired by. So uh, final follow up on this. Uh, and this can be both you and Bo answer this um, as experienced DMers. Um, how often do you feel tempted to make sure that there's racial conflict in your campaign? In other words, you've got, you know, hmm. you've got this pantheon of races and conflict exists there in the lore already. But, you know, you're making your own lore. How, how often are you like, oh, we really got to play up the, you know, these dwarves and these and these whatevers hate each other and that sort of thing. I mean, <clears throat> D&D is somewhat based on, you know, medieval history. Just not, I don't realize there's other worlds and stuff, but, you know, there's the Hundred Years' War where, you know, a whole bunch of people fought with a whole bunch of other people all the time, constantly bickering. And that makes for a great milieu for action. So I think there are factions and tribes, both racial or religious or for whatever reason, there's always, that's always an ever-present fact that they're competing groups right but i don't pre-plan it that way i just you know you get one group and you're like well they're not gonna like other groups and in particular the heroes but i don't think about it too deeply i guess yeah that makes yeah. sense yeah that, that's an interesting i mean it's a it's something that evolved kind of naturally and of course you have like the the romance of legolas and gimli as they slowly become friends and how different and deport di- disproportionate that is to the rest of lord of the rings because they hate each other but mm-hmm. that's all very played out in some ways so i think that it, it's kind of an interesting take in this world that it 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 comes from somewhere ancient that the 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 plague that that has beset the elves in the delvers world is a force of that other world because ultimately it's a city it's a guild Nobody really cares. Carrie's working the desk just like anybody. No one's like, you hell spawn, get out of here. She's mm-hmm. like making little, you know, inventions in the back. Like it, the 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 city environment has led to that overall everybody being accepted, everyone part of this adventuring sphere. But when the age old sort of ancient powers invade, that's where you can have that drama still. Mm. Yeah, it's super interesting. Yeah, it makes to me. Sense. yeah, it's just interesting. Is like it's hard, probably as stereo as stereo as storytellers or stereotellers, um, <laughs> to completely avoid it because you could argue the game itself is based on this concept of 
difference and then finding common ground because you're adventuring together or, you know, maybe these little tiny tiefling looking things aren't as weird as I thought they were because here we are fighting this together. And I just wonder how tempting that is for, you know, Yeah, it depends on the milieu. Like if we're playing, if we're doing Planescape, like everyone hangs out with everyone else and they're divided by factions, not by race. But right. if you're doing old medieval style, like the, the examples that Kyle already gave, then, you know, uh, maybe the elves hate the dwarves and the fact that you're an elf and a dwarf in a party together is what makes it special because it's not an everyday thing. Right. It just depends on the, the the fiction you're going for, I guess. Sure. Yeah, I think it's a thing that D&D in general has been trying to combat recently and, you know, everybody's going to have an opinion on how well and how successful that is, but um, I, I mean, we made the joke here, uh, Dristy with Dark Elves um, and even R.A. Salvatore recently uh, got a lot of notoriety for coming out and saying, yeah, I think it's kind of a weird world we've ended up creating with this, where it's like there's one good one and everyone else is bad. Mm. So I think you've got a lot of creators that are like uh, kind of re-examining the tropes that we've all kind of fallen into um, and and kind of wondered, is there something more interesting we can do with it? Yeah. Well, and it's 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 cheap, you know, like ultimately that's not i mean like pushing the envelope but it's just not creative mm, if yeah. you just play into everybody hating each other when they walk in the door cuz they got demon horns mm-hmm. there there are other reasons for these characters to interact that would be way more interesting in the first place yeah yeah i, I completely agree with that and it's just interesting cuz the i don't know video games maybe are worse at this they're you know if you're an orc you're not a human so let's go we're fighting and it's a little simple. It is, yeah, it's like an enemy type thing. Like when their lore is building a story around. There's this one dude, and the, you know he's a blue dude, and the blue dude's got to kill the green dudes and the red dudes. Yeah. Then you get a lore guy in there, be like, why is he killing the blue and the, and the green red dudes? Well, it's because they're all racist against blue dudes. So yeah. he's on the side of like Nazis are the classic video game, <laughs> Wolfenstein uh, enemy, right? It's right. just like they're. If you really think about it, they're people and murder is horrible. And why are we shooting people? But you just, you know, for the I think in video games that shorthand is there. But like in D and D, everything everything's narrative. So you can still, I think, play a game that's like, what are the monsters? Well, you're killing elves. Why am I killing elves? Who cares? We're just playing D and D. But if you if you're doing something, if if there's an answer, if there's a narrative behind it, then there's going to be a reason, and it might be race related, and it might not. Mm-hmm. And, I think we're. We're seeing lots of different franchises move away from that, too, not just D&D. Like, you know, you have the sort of older storytelling. It's called World of Warcraft. That is very much you kill you. You kill the enemy. The enemy is bad. You kill them. But we're seeing more modern MMOs like Final Fantasy do a lot of redemption arcs where you get to know the bad guy and they change their mind or they become purified in some kind of way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Redemption redemption arcs in the in the in the actual interactions the players have is unusual. Um, it's okay. You'll see it a lot on top down type stuff, like the big bosses of the world or the big characters that you never really play. You just watch them do their thing in, in gaming. They tend to, they tend to have all the redemption arcs and the really nuanced emotional experiences, but your job is to kill the dude with a red line over his head. And so you do that. You know, there's no. So it sounds like if we do the waste campaign again, you want to go to the Goblin City and hang out with them, make peace with goblins. No, definitely. No, not. they stink. No. They're racist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we've we've met several, and none of the interactions have been good. 
we can be proved we can be proven wrong yeah i'm not saying that like it's a hard line in the sands of like you know it, maybe it's just outliers maybe we just met uh, crazy weird goblins and bok bok like but that's our sample size yeah and so if if you were like hey you, you guys want to go meet more goblins be like no because our history with goblins is they try to throw rocks at us and kill us and at best come and vigorously masturbate here 100 like, <laughs> <laughs> percent of our experience with goblins yeah you're right yeah, i remember that it was funny it's hard to have a more nuanced view on goblins when that's all they've done so we'll we'll get there maybe never say never okay <laughs> uh, tying to the elven bloodline thing, so why doesn't the drone affect Ko's daughter? She would be half elf, right? Correct. Uh, so that yet hasn't been revealed why why Ko's wife was exposed to the drone as early as she was before it started becoming a problem in the city. Uh, obviously, it was in the underground as your very first mission showed off, but it has not been revealed why that happened yet. But if it were to, like, explode across the town, which it did, and if it were to reach that sort of height, I think that's just kind of where I might draw the line as a DM mm. a bit. Mm. Uh, you know, Witcher doesn't let you attack kids. It's just, I it, to me, my, my sort of big line has been, like, the sun causes cancer. That sucks. This is a fantasy world. Let's not have to wear sunscreen. Right. So it's good. Y- you're outside. You want to go in the bar and you want to uh, you want to be like, hey, you know, getting getting on, getting on. Fine. I'm not going to include venereal diseases in my world because it's <laughs> frankly a bit of a bummer. Right? <laughs> and it's I Kyle's, think, Kyle's world for the record. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> no draw a line here. Yeah. I have I have venereal yeah. diseases but, in mind, but, but the point is well waste, taken. You draw your line uh, somewhere. The waste, everybody's afraid to do anything. I, I mean, we picked up boots that had feet fall out of them today. There was a dude crushed like a burrito. Like, there, there is violence and there's sadness, but there, there's just kind of a natural sort of agreement, I think, where you just kind of draw certain lines. And one of them is the sun, and I don't want to get a sunburn or get cancer from it. <laughs> well, and I think Kyle probably looks at me and goes, oh, there's John. He's a new dad. I was that recently. Maybe let's not give him the existential crisis that would be, hey, your fake child's now in uh, extreme danger. Yeah, that's how, a good how point. do you feel, D&D player? <laughs> feel taken advantage of. Yeah, whereas everybody, I would just like to make it clear, everybody in the waste has venereal disease of some sort. So that's pretty much. Put that out there. Everyone. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I definitely go over the line of propriety sometimes, and sometimes it's a good idea in my head, and then we do it, and I'm like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Like, this has been a number, number of examples. Um, well, is it you know, is Everyone's it there to have a good time, so you just discuss it if someone's over the line and totally cool with Is it easier to end up over that line if it's a certain... Like, if you're playing cyberpunk, it feels like that world... Uh, I mean the pen and paper, not the video game, but that world... Read it uh, R, yeah. Yeah, it takes you to... Well, you know, that's a different... Yeah, like, I mean, you could probably, you know... I mean, if it's about crime, you could do... your The crew's out to get information and bust a pedophilia ring. I mean, that's what they do in the first episode of Mr. Robot. It's how you're introduced to the character. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not quite a cyberpunk, but it's a hackery kind of show. Right. Certainly, you could get that hardcore and do something that serious. And if everyone's good with it, then it's fine. But you do got to, you know, you do, especially if we're doing it publicly for consumption, it's something you got to tread a little more carefully just not to trigger people. But I don't think there are rules about that apart from what's fun for everyone at the table. Mm-hmm. I just think when Kyle's talking about son doesn't give cancer, it's like 
you only have so much mental energy and so much time. And if you're spending a D and D session in the hospital, getting um, uh, you know, uh, or your cyberpunk getting uh, in the hospital, getting uh, what is it, um, chemotherapy? Like if if you're reduced to four hours of chemotherapy appointments, no one's probably having fun at that point. So. So the point is well taken that some stuff is not because we couldn't. It's a simulation of everything, but it's kind of a shorthand to get to the fun bits of the simulation and not do the, you know, either the too depressing stuff or the too crunchy stuff, or too real life stuff. Right. The, it's also just the, yeah. the red button effect, which is there's a red button on the wall. Everyone spends 20 minutes wondering what to do with it. Like. If you were like, hey, you wake up this morning and your skin's like peeling off and they'd be like, oh, my God, we fought. What did we fight recently that did this to me? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, I have to. I need magical salves and potions like that. Nah, just take a couple of days off and put on some stuff. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, not exactly. uh, not connected to this anyway, but I've decided to put off my one off campaign of uh, trips to the uh, to the hospital to get my chemotherapy uh, appointments. We're going to change that. Yeah, it's not going to happen. It's health. health- the healthcare RPG, yeah, our healthcare RPG. I was planning. I'm going to go back to the uh, the drawing board. Patients and surgeries. It's a great. Uh, <laughs> what a good time that would be! <laughs> Holy crap! Hey, <laughs> I noticed something play. here. I noticed that Kristen skipped a question that was about her. It says, uh, "Malice says, was Grinkeeper's story always meant to essentially be Sailor Moon?" You got to answer. That. I was just trying to tie the two, but the answer to that is yes, because uh, there are lots of character tropes out there, right? And so I wanted to play with the whole Magic Girl one since that was a big part of my childhood and my sister's childhoods. Uh, And so I got to searching. And interestingly enough, the internet voted that she's a paladin. Just straight up, everyone said she's a paladin. And then there's argument as to what type of paladin she is. But she's dumb as rocks, but she believes in herself to the point where she can sacrifice herself at the end of every season and get reborn again. So... How do, you, you gonna, how do you take that and turn it into a character? Sure. Are you surprised someone noticed that it was probably what you were channeling a little bit? Or? <laughs> no. <laughs> no? Not at all. I've tried to make it as obvious as possible without being uh, annoying. That's hilarious because I I have to admit because uh, I'm this is I don't know if this should be embarrassing or what this says about me, but a few years only up to a couple of years ago, I thought Sailor Moon was purely pornographic something like porno uh, anime <laughs> i did i thought it was anime porn now there i know there's there. there's anime porn of everything right like if you want to go find it for any video game you played or anything else it exists but for some reason i had in my head that that's all that ever was and it's obviously not and my daughter was it the it. word moon that got you i don't know what i think someone just told me once like back in the 90s when i worked somewhere they're like oh yeah watch out for that sailor moon stuff pretty 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 gnarly stuff in there and I remember going, oh, you never okay. You saw it well, on TV? It was on like every day after school. No. And stuff. Dude, I got, every day after school was was G.I. Joe and Transformers and Super Friends mm. and stuff. Like, yeah. I didn't, the anime, oh, we did, we had, we had, uh, what's the one where they all joined together? A bunch of tiger parts. What's it called? Voltron? Oh, Voltron. Uh, yeah, Voltron. Voltron. Yeah. I watched a lot of Voltron. I lo- watched a lot of G-Force. So those are about the most mm. anime things I had ever, growing up. For whatever reason, that's just what I had. Everything else was very Western, and I think that one just passed me by. I just didn't ever see it. But my my sisters laugh at me now. They're like, oh, yeah, I love that. I'm like, well, no one told me. I just thought I was told it was porn in, like, 95. <laughs> so, anyway, well, I guess what I'm saying is, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm saying congratulations on not only making this character 
uh, a, a true homage to that, but also for reminding me that it's not all porn, that not all anime is porn there. I, I try to do my best. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. A question for everyone. Now that you've had a couple of different classes between the two campaigns, any new class that you'd like to try out? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Warlock. I, I want to try Cleric really badly. I've it, It's been kind of something that I've like had my eye on for a good long while. It was going to be a multi-class option for Stanley till Bo completely ruined that. And uh, it was, uh, it was just, it's kind of been in the back of my head for a while. Well, you have to have a God. I don't have to have a stupid God. Um, (laughs) So it was, uh, yeah, it's just something that, you know, I'd I'd never do it in a Bo campaign, but um, (laughs) I would, uh, <laughs> my stringent requirement to make you have a deity associated with your class. No, it's for exactly what happened. Because eventually you're going to meet that deity and Bo's going to be like, yeah, you've dedicated your life to this thing and uh, you live by a creed and it's awesome. And here it comes. <laughs> Not sure. Uh, I think he's awesome, but okay. okay. Uh, well- so, but I mean, it is a, it is a, uh, it is a class I've I've been curious about, and I, I'm super. It would have been rogue until this campaign. So well, now that I'm, he's seen how really poorly a, uh, he see, he sees how poorly a cleric can be played, now he's got ideas on how he might improve that. Is that what's going on? <laughs> That's how it is. Well, I mean, he could switch. We could talk about it. Maybe he no longer worships Malhaya. Maybe he worships a, a better, cooler god. <laughs> no. That, that boat has sailed. I, I think Bo has successfully Brett? destroyed any hope of religion for Stanley ever in the history of ever. He met All a right. god and he was like, I'm done. Yeah, no gods. I'm out. They're not cool. <laughs> he created Gore the God Butcher. I met my god and then realized all gods need to die. Well, I mean, you don't. It also is it's DM. It's up to the DM how stringent they want to be about that particular bent on the rules right like kyle kyle's well i wonder kyle if i came to you and said yeah really not feeling paylor i want to make up a god and his name is larry and uh, he's the god of oil changes or whatever what would you have said like you'd probably have said well that's oh hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's also because that's a really cool plot device because yeah. changing gods then you have like the gods vying for power i yeah the best representation that I love of gods is from black and white. If you ever played that oh, game. Oh yeah. The oh, monkey, yeah. Uh, the monkey who flung poo is what I'd call that. Game. Yeah. Yeah, a- exactly. But like gods are based on their, their actual power in their presence. Their very existence is based on worshipers. So the right. more worshipers you have, the more powerful you are. Right. And if you have no worshipers, you get forgotten in time and get lost in time and space, like in black and white. So yeah. As someone giving up and changing gods is a really big deal. Yeah. And you either have to escape them. Uh, you have to hide from your previous god who might like hunt you down because they gave you all those favors. Mm-hmm. Your your crops would be in peril. Yeah. Like it, it'd be rough. Yeah. Well, you really have to gain favor with the other god to protect you too, right? Like Exactly, because they want to smote you. Yeah. Because yeah. if you didn't if you left a god and then had no god, yeah, you get smote. Even yeah, a good god wants- like Paylor? Yeah, what would Paylor do? Would he just be like, oh, it's because okay. Because his realm is vengeance, right? Well, that depends where we're going, 
right? But we were talking about the god of diesel or something like that. What was going on? Larry. Oil changes. Oh, Larry, the god of oil. <laughs> Affordable oil changes. These are important. Well, what does, gods what does could Larry be think of a follower that just abandoned his previous god? Like, you know, you're going to put your trust in somebody that was like, well, I was a follower of Paylor and I just decided, you know, oil changes is where my mind's at. <laughs> you know, is that, the, is that the follower you give all the power to? Yeah. I think, well, if you leave the oil changes guy, you all you do is risk some bad viscosity in your engine. So it's fine. It's not a big deal. He doesn't smite you. You just have a shitty car. Everything you touch rusts. Yeah. All rust, bad lubrication. Your spark plugs lock up. I know how this goes. All hail the great that, God but, of, <laughs> of that. But that, that also goes again, kind of like the, the story thing we were talking about there. Like if your story became you wanted to change gods, then the gods would get really Olympian because mm. now that's something I can feed on and use in your story. Oh, so the gods would get really jealous. They'd be very uh, vindictive mm-hmm. because that's what I was given to work with. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's consistent with what they're like in D and D, but also in mythology in general, right? They're, they're never, you know, too very benevolent. And if they are, it's in conflict with another God's take, which is like even, even modern uh, theology is often, this two-sided coin. Well, here's God here and here's the devil here. A bad guy, but still kind of a God and a God who's not a bad guy, but, but they can't seem to get it together. And there's a war in hell and heaven. And we, you know, the whole thing's a big Diablo mess. Like it kind of is in everything. And so I, I get why it is what it is, but I think the key, the key distinction I've noticed just with the cleric over other classes is that on some level, no matter how evil you are, you're a servant, whether it's, um, the nature of that service is different. Like if you're good, you probably do it willingly. If you're evil, you probably begrudge to God, but still serve it because they're you're beholden to them. But on some level, you are a servant. And I think like when a lot of people play D and D, when I notice when we're talking about making their characters or whatever, they want to do what they want to do, which is every other class. And when they talk about becoming a cleric, it's like, no, you're a person of faith. Whether it's evil faith, if you're a murderer, if you worship a murderous God, you see an innocent child and your god demands a sacrifice that you have to do it or you are in the wrong and and so like it's a, it's it's a service class as much as they have cool stuff you're like you're i feel like there's no case where your rp isn't serving whatever god it is that you're serving because that's how you obtain your favor and power right so it's it's an important thing to keep in mind when it comes to cleric i feel sure sure no, that's how religion sense. works uh well just like religion no, that's, that's a bad comparison. Uh, just like uh, religion, you go to church, and like that, you finish the bonus show. I couldn't. I had no good transition there. So. <laughs> <laughs> Your God demands the show is over. Yep, it's over. So uh, that's it. Thank you for sending us your questions. We'll look for more of this next week. You can send us replies on Twitter. You can do it on our Discord. You can say it in all kinds of places, including a link that's on the page itself at therewillbedungeons.com. And we'll be bugging you for more of those coming up soon. Uh, but big thanks for your support or else there is no bonus show Uh, I think that's it we're done thank you all for listening and uh, see you next time right here on There Will Be Dungeons Dungeons